Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. Today, we bring you another special edition of the Finance Matters podcast covering the Challenging the Status Quo webinar series brought to you by the UVA Finance Continuous Improvement Committee. Last week, the committee hosted the second Challenging the Status Quo webinar in that series, this time featuring three UVA finance managers. Our panelists include Isaiah Benke, the Director of Student Accounts and Operations with SFS, Jen Glassman, the Director of Procurement and Supplier Diversity Services, and Brian Logwood, the Managing Director of Financial Planning and Analysis. You can view the full webinar if you're here at UVA in the Continuous Improvement Space in the in Community Hub, but you're also welcome to just listen in with us here on Finance Matters. We'll continue presenting the webinar series as a special edition run of the podcast. And now that's all for me. Listen in to the discussion here. Quo panel series sponsored by the Finance Continuous Improvement Committee. I'm Angela Knobloch, FSG Workstream Lead for Change Management and Continuous Improvement, and I'll be serving as the moderator for our panel today. The purpose of these panels is to hear thoughts and ideas on how to challenge the status quo successfully. This series includes panels from finance senior leadership, finance managers, which is today's session, as well as individual contributors in finance and FST. These are all recorded and will be available on the CI community as they are ready. Please be sure to check out the CI community for additional ideas and resources. You'll even find a dedicated category on how to challenge the status quo. Now I'd like to introduce our panelists for today. First of all, we have Isaiah Banky, Director of Student Accounts Operations with Student Financial Services. We also have Jen Glassman, Director of Procurement and Supplier Diversity Services, and Brian Logwood, Managing Director of Financial Planning and Analysis. And I'd like to start with my panelists in, in answer, and asking kind of a broad question first, and that is what does challenging the status quo mean to you? And, and Isaiah, I'll start with you for now. What does sure, it mean to yeah. you? Thanks, Angela. Um, for, to me, it means uh, asking questions uh, that lead us to make an honest evaluation of current results and the actions that created them, kind of how we got there. Um, and then through that process, we can identify different and improved ways of doing things. But it, challenging it is at least just kind of making an honest assessment of how it actually mm -hmm. is. And questions being such an important part of that, isn't it? That to mm -hmm. kind of give you that chance to assess. Um, Brian, what's your perspective on challenging the status quo? Sure, there's um, a, a lot you can approach that question with. Um, generally, I'm very process focused, process driven. So the first thing I have to do is remind myself it's not always process, it's, it's often people. Um, we have to change how we approach situations, how we create a, an environment, how we approach situations to, you know, create a positive environment for that change. And so that really starts with uh, listening to people, learning and, and challenging yourself first before you challenge someone else to make sure that you have the right mindset as well. Mm -hmm. it's, it's separating people from practice um, and, and establishing an environment where you know, an analysis and creative thinking is encouraged. 
um, and, and, and not um, you know, a, a scary situation for them. You, you want to focus on training. You, know, you, you want to give everyone the right tools. You just don't right. tell someone to be um, you know, a continuous improver. You want to make sure that they're in the right environment and have the right tools. Mm-hmm. And they, always, they often want to know what that means. Um, you get, it's, it's about giving people the right opportunity to be involved. You know, very collaborative approach. Um, it, again, it's, it's focusing on people as much as you do process. And, and then just along the way, encouraging, um, you know, uh, rewarding those accomplishments along the way. So challenging the status quo is, is it's about recognizing and rewarding those small victories mm-hmm. along the way. It kind of builds that culture long term. I really appreciate it's um, also um, recognizing and rewarding piece because it might be hard for folks um, to do that, right? Especially maybe with their managers or with their leaders. So thank you for sharing that perspective, Brian. Um, Jen, what would you like to add to uh, what it means to you for challenging the status quo? And Isaiah and Brian, um, they got all the they got all the good material. So we'll ask you first next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> So, I mean, I think um, for me, challenging the status quo is on a personal level and then what I try to um, work with with my, my team and understanding is that all the, the walls or the structure that we live in with our processes and our policies and, and everything that we do, we're, we're constructed metaphorically by other people. They're, they're, not, they're not movable. They're not permanent. Um, and when you, when you think about that, that means you can change things. You can redesign the room. You can raise the ceiling. You can build a whole new structure if you want. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's getting away from the culture, a culture of, well, we do it this way because we've always done it this way. And that's, that's easier said than done. Um, because, you know, there's a certain comfort that comes and, and a sense of stability, right, that comes with, you know, things that you've always been, been doing. And frankly, some things are work a certain way and they're running smoothly, right? So you don't want to necessarily break things that are actually really well-founded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to lean into some discomfort um, in order to challenge. I mean, that's what challenge, the word challenge implies right there's going to be discomfort that comes with change there's going to be uncertain uncertainty that comes with change and how you navigate the discomfort and the uncertainty is is you know how you take those risks and keep moving you know um and 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 experimenting and sometimes falling down and you know with pulling back but it's it's like a it's a process you know and it's certainly not perfect it's not supposed to be but in the end, what you, what you kind of hope for is that you, you move forward, right? Um, so. so, and I'll direct this to you, Jen. What, what's the impact of failing to challenge the status quo? I mean, what happens if we, we don't make this um, something that's a priority, especially in relation to transformation? Uh, as we're talking about finance transformation um, so much over the last couple years and the years ahead, um, you know, what's, what's the impact of not doing, uh, challenging the status quo? Well, you, you know, you have the organization that's made this huge investment in modern technology and 
you know, overlaying processes and policies and ways of working that maybe may frankly be outdated. Um, and so like why, why, what's the point of doing the new, the new technology if you're not also gonna step back and go, are we, are we doing things the way maybe we should be? Are we, are we taking advantage of this, you know, the freedoms or the, the new flexibility that the new system may, may be able to offer us? Or are we just gonna try to jam in what we've been doing for the last 20, 30 years into this new system and call it a day, you know? So I think you really, you know, at a really basic level, you miss out on taking advantage of the new, new, the new toolbox um, which a lot of times, you know, technologies like Workday isn't developed in a, in a, um, you know, in a silo. It's, it's, it's a response to trends and the, the industry trends, and it's a response to a better way of doing business. Um, so we have to go, we have to go after that to get the, to get the fully baked, you know, um, solution. And, and it's an intentional effort to have to do that, isn't it? It's, it's not always very comfortable, but hence the word challenge, right? Um, so I'm curious, and any of you can, can start with this, so I'll let you kind of decide among the three of you, but you know, kind of looking at it from an individual level, personal level for you, what are some of the things that you do in your current role as a manager to challenge the status quo? What are some of the things that um, you have been able to do that you would identify as um, challenging the status quo? And, and any of you who might like to uh, chime in on that one? Sure, I'll, I'll jump in. Thanks, um, Brian. The, the first thing you do is develop trust. Uh, trust with the team, trust with the people that you're working with. Um, and understanding that that failure is going to happen at some point. Um, it may happen multiple points as much as we try not to fail. Um, there's multiple paths to success. One of those is failure. Um, mm. And you, you have to succeed um, one way or another, either through you know, luck or through learning from your mistakes. Um, but as long the goal is learning from those mistakes. The failure is only a failure when you continue to make the same mistake over and over, right? That, that's, that's failure. Uh, not learning from your mistakes right. um, and then sharing what you learn from that mistake. That, that's the key as well. So developing that trust with your team and with the people that you're working with so that they, they feel safe to challenge. They feel safe to question process, question history and question you um, making, you know, making sure that I'm fully aware of situations or thinking about things in the way that I need to think about it. If I'm asked to make a decision, I, I want them to feel very comfortable challenging everything, in, including me. And, and, and my staff really does enjoy doing that a lot. <laughs> so um, they enjoy challenging you. Oh yes, I, 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 <laughs> well, I encourage it. I, I'd rather well, be me, wrong. Yeah, I'd rather be wrong in the group than outside of the group. And that's our approach to staff meetings. Let's be wrong here and not be wrong out there. Um, so let so. me add, kind of a, a add-on question there. You know, this idea of developing trust is such an important part of uh, people feeling comfortable to challenge the status quo. Um, trust is an outcome. So what is it that you do that increases that level of trust people give you? Actions, not words. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm very quiet. I don't speak a lot. Uh, I try to listen a lot. Um, I'm certainly not the smartest one in the group. I've heard Jen speak so many times. Uh, I wish I could speak the way Jen does. I, I cannot. So I listen and learn to others. 
and then you know but <laughs> along the way um I, I my actions you know develop trust by them seeing how i question not only history but question myself did i make the right decision last time did i do this the best way last time so they're seeing that self-reflection yes as well yes. with you um uh, almost as a and you might not refer to it this way but almost as a role model in the sense of all of us should be sort of self-reflecting right on things and and maybe that's part of the actions that, that, that you take that speak so loudly to your team awesome um, Isaiah or Jen, anything to add to um, what you do to challenge the status quo in your current roles? Yeah, I can, I can jump in there. And, and Brian kind of hit it on the head. Kind of the first note that I was thinking about when you asked that question was, was leading by example. And, and um, in, in addition to exhibiting challenging other stuff, but also encouraging and continuously welcoming fresh ideas and and kind of just fostering that environment that that encourages folks to continue to to challenge it and and not be afraid of failure. Just kind of like like Brian said, you fail on your own, and and if other folks on your team are are, are failing to to just to rally around that and and move forward. Yeah, I think leading by example is first and foremost. I what I like to do with my team is continually reinforce the level of engagement um, that I have. Um, not, a, not being a micromanager, but engagement, right? Like I'm, I'm looking you in the eye, I'm listening to you. I'm asking you a bunch of questions. Um, I'm present with them. Yeah, I wanna know, I'm, I'm there with you, right? Um, uh, talk me through it, you know, I'm pretty candid when I disagree, but um, I want them to be comfortable with me disagreeing and not being okay. Um, and them being able to disagree back and us have this conversation and well, maybe we don't have enough information and, you know, and, and not treat, you know, my, my disagreement as like the final word. That's to me very dangerous um, when you're trying to challenge the status quo or change things. Um, so just trying to encourage, well, what do you, what do you think? And, and then giving them tools that I also follow myself frameworks for thinking. Like, um, you know, one fun one that I like to repeat to the group is, the, does it pass the common sense test, you know? Um, even if it's not in your role, if it doesn't make sense, this, what we're doing is not rocket science. So if it doesn't make sense to you, even if you're not the expert, say something, right? You're probably seeing something that, you know, um, maybe the people who are really close to it aren't seeing. So, and I do that, all the time and I, I, I repeat it and I, I try to get, you know, people to, to buy into that and use that practice. So, um, wonderful. You know, this, this makes me think a lot about, um, resistance to change, resistance to doing things in new ways, uh, whether it's, um, employees being willing to challenge the status quo, whether they feel safe or not. And, um, and sometimes they have so much ownership in something. Challenging the status quo and, and looking at themselves can sometimes make them feel like, well, what am I not doing well, right? And there's that sense of um, uh, insecurity around that at times. What I'm curious about is how do you, as managers, what would you say to other managers particularly, 
on how to um, address employees that are resisting um, this concept of challenging the status quo. What are some things that managers can do to um, really be able uh, to help employees? So I'll jump in again. Um, one of the things we, we certainly try to do is um, have everyone participate in leadership roles. And what I mean by that is we, we, we cross train, but there's more to cross training than just learning a different role. It's, it's about taking aspects of a process and letting different individuals lead those processes. Uh, so they have an opportunity to be point. And when, the more involvement you have with the staff, the more the staff is engaged in the process, the more likely they are to feel like they're in part of the process, that they're empowered to question because they're lead, they lead. And um, so I, I try not to quote unquote manage um, as the question was more coordinate, just coordinate a group of leaders through a process. And as long as they're participating in the process, I, 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 they seem to have more creativity more passion, um, more energy in a process than just letting somebody else tell them, you know, what needs to be done all the time. That that kind of stifles things. So it's we certainly try to share leadership roles and we rotate those leadership roles to give everyone opportunity to to do that. Um, and then you know, just also keeping it fun. Um, I know you. Uh, I'm probably not the most fun-looking person in the world, but we do try to have fun. Um, and what I mean by that is if 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 it becomes if the task of improvement becomes so overwhelming or challenging or stressful, uh, it, it, that will lead to stifling creativity. And the only way to be successful is to be creative and, and think openly. So we, we do try to have fun. Usually that means making fun of me. I'm, I'm good with that, um, as long as it means that we're being creative and challenging things um, with an open mind. So. Good. Isaiah or Jen? Anything to add there? Yeah, the only thing I might add to what Brian mentioned there was um, uh, potentially finding somebody who may be resistant, but spending additional time and effort to actively listen to what their concerns are. Um, what emerges from that often are uh, potential pitfalls along the way that haven't been elevated. Um, and so making sure that there's time spent to, to hear that voice, kind of draw it out and bring that person and those ideas into the fold as well. So just it can be a, a benefit for a, a pause for a moment of, of why is there resistance or lack of engagement? Yeah, I think um, for me, it starts with being transparent about, you know, my vision, um, the strategy and being patient in talking about it and repeating it and giving examples and encouraging it through different behaviors. Every person has to decide if they're going to get on the bus, right? Are you on or are you off? You're coming, you're not coming, right? Um, and so, you know, giving them a path. Some people are already on the bus when you get there, right? And some people, you know, just it takes a little time, right, to, to get them there. Um, and, you know, sometimes um, you find that it's, it's just not, the, you know, depending on the situation that it's, you know, they just don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to be on the bus. It's just, there's just a number of reasons. And so, you know, as a leader, I try to do everything to be transparent, to be inviting, to encourage the feedback, to figure out what the source of the resistance is, because there's a lot of different sources and they can be subtle. Sometimes the people who um, tend to 
um, resistance because they are so knowledgeable and they, um, you know, have certain, maybe they just have a more conservative with risk, right? And so you, you kind of, that's okay, that's a journey. That's something that I can work with that, right? Um, and, and then some people are just at a point in their careers or their lives where they just don't want to do it. Like it's just, you know, and so you just, you got to figure out the source of the resistance and just pour the energy and effort into to making it successful, you know, but there's an obligation that I feel to not only to have a team that makes UVA successful, but for people to feel successful in their lives. And, and sometimes, you know, that, 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 that those two things don't, don't drive, you know, and it's tough. That's probably one of the hardest parts of leadership and it, you know, try to do everything to avoid it and to make it work, but that is a possible outcome, you know, and, 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 and I care just as much about, if not probably the most about an individual's happiness and success in, in their lives. Um, as much as I say, okay, you know, and this is the outcome, this is where we're going with UVA. So it's my responsibility to say, this is the vision, this is the outcome, this is the direction we're going on this bus. Are you in, are you coming? You know, what does it look like, you know, and try to have that, that empathetic candor um, and, and just, you know, have that communication and that um, relationship with, with everyone. Ooh, does Angela, I cannot hear you. Does We're listening to your voice. Yeah, I, can you hear me at all yeah. right now? Now, okay. now you're, now you're there. Yeah. I'm not doing, I'm not touching anything, but welcome to Zoom land. Um, so we do have a question from our participants and it's what are the best strategies for driving consensus and or adoption when championing change? So what are some of the best strategies that, that you've utilized or that you've seen um, in driving change? I'll go first then. Um, Thanks, Brian. It, to, to me, I, I guess my, my experience over time has been to be successful, you, you, you have to break people of old habits of looking at their checklists, their task lists, you know, what we've always done. I was told to do it this way. Um, that, and part of what we try to do is to get away from that is to focus on the vision. Um, that's what we're focused on, the vision. And part of that vision is not just talking about, you have to demonstrate the vision. You have to, you have to get people to understand what the end result is. Whenever we start a new project, whenever we start a new, um, you know, engagement with whatever it is, we first sit down together and we decide, we, we envision what the outcome that we expect is. We mm -hmm. focus on what the outcome, what do we expect to achieve? How is it gonna look? How is it gonna work? What do we hope to achieve from it? What will it answer for us? How can we use it better? Once we define what that vision looks like, what the end process looks like, then we start backing up and filling out our to-dos and our tasks. Because often what you find is people will dive into their task list and checklist and go days or weeks through their checklist and look up and they're in the wrong path. So you, you got to stay on the right path. And part of that is defining the vision and envisioning that vision, more importantly, helping them to understand what their role is in that future vision. And then they, they tend to be more engaged because they're part of the process as opposed to 
just again following that, that checklist. So it's it's defining the vision, getting everyone to understand and and what the envision what the vision is, and then making your your process around making sure that you achieve the goal that you wanted to achieve. Brian, I love that. There was a recent uh, study done, um, and I believe it, it was in the Harvard Business Review, but it was related to a change uh, failures and what were the reasons for the failure. And um, managers across corporate America assigned failure to lack of a good implementation plan. But the real reason that, say, employees gave or customers gave was that there was no vision that there was no, what are we really trying to do with this? Like we had all the tasks outlined, um, but no one really knew what that future state or what that vision was. And so that is such a core piece of where to start. So, um, and it's validated by some research that's been done recently too. Um, that definitely caught my eye uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Isaiah, anything you'd like to add on to how, what are some strategies for driving adoption? Or consensus? Yeah, one of one of the big ones Brian hit is just kind of clarifying the goals and the and the vision and making sure it, it makes sense and it's clear and understood and also um, continuously visited too. You know, a, a month into something, you might kind of forget why you're doing something. So, kind of keeping that communication, um, regular check-ins allows you the opportunity to celebrate little wins along the way and just attempting to be as fully transparent as as possible, even. Some folks on the team may think something may not impact them. It might in a month or a month or two down the road. And so just kind of keeping that going, repeating might be a little bit of overkill. Sometimes it may feel that way, but um, you guard against being taken by surprise and kind of keeping the, the goals and the vision within certain parameters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would just, I think I, I was trying to think I use a few different um, frameworks for this. So first of all, I'm a little bit wary of consensus or suspicious of it. Um, Ooh, if it's tell, me, tell, tell me more about that. <laughs> especially if it happens too early. Um, so um, we all agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all good. All right. You know, Until um, we're so not. There, right. So there's a difference between cooperation and collaboration. And they often get, I think, confused. Um, so people, you know, this comes back to people's comfort level. Um, in being able to dissent or disagree. Um, and, and there should be, especially as the issue gets more impactful or more complex, there should be a healthy amount of disagreement and dissent if you have the right people in the room. Um, so consensus isn't always the, the point or the goal. Um, but, you know, we are dealing with EQ stuff and politics and we gotta get people, you know, on board. And so an, a, a specific tool that I like to use um, is a ladder that's called, you know, love it, like it, live with it, loathe it. And if you can get everyone in the room to live with it, then you're good. You never want to have anyone and loathe it. But if you can get everyone to at least the live with it point, mm -hmm. while acknowledging the disagreements and people have aired their, their concerns instead of just silently nodding, but inside going, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard, right? Because you, you don't want mm -hmm. people to, you want people to get it out. Right. And then you want to start working how you reach, you know, you know, I guess ultimately how you drive towards the next step or consensus. But you don't, I don't like to get to consensus too early because again, I'm a little suspicious. It's of that. too agreeable, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, mm, I can't trust this. Right. Um, so <laughs> again, I like to use the love it, like it, 
live with it, loathe it, model to to do that. And then, and then sometimes sometimes that's not good enough, um, especially if there's just the higher the stakes get in the decision. And so, a lot of times consensus, you know, it can be anecdotal or based on intuition and instinct. And so, um, I, you know, this is where data, you know, and and ah. uh, can really insert perspective. Um, cause we all, we all come with our biases and our instincts and our lived experiences. Right. And so, um, and we don't want to discount those, but we want to balance them, you know, and I, I personally like to use data first and foremost to manage my biases. Cause I am more of a risk taker and I have, um, I get carried away with some of my ideas and I get a lot of <laughs> steam and momentum behind my ideas. So I need data to ground myself, um, and, and other people may need data to help see, oh, wow, ooh, that's bigger than I thought it was, right? And so it depends on the setting. It depends on the moment and who, the situation. But um, getting the right data in the right way, not too much data, not too little, but the right data in front of people um, as you're you know, trying to make a decision and get, build consensus, consensus is key. Um, it's sort of taking it out of just full opinion, but giving a little bit of context around it with some data to help inform a little bit more. Um, so that sounds like a really important tool that, that can be used too. So I have an, another interesting question here for you. And, and, and that if I could is, just add one, oh, one, please do, Brian. One, I just wanted to emphasize one point that Jen said um, as, as the first tool that everyone um, you know, in the, the, that position should utilize first she said, make sure the right people in the room. And that starts with the hiring process. So every, every, the hiring process, you have to have a question or a set of questions dealing with their philosophy, their practice of, of continuous improvement, how, how they challenge themselves and challenge others. And um, that, that's the first step is you, you have to build that team and that starts with the hiring process. Yeah. And so that really is the she said, you know, make sure that you have the right people in the, in the room with you. That's the first tool is emphasize that in the hiring process. Yeah. May I say there, Brian, too, that on the uh, CI community site, we have a list of questions that managers can use around CI in the interview process. So putting a plug in for that tool for managers who uh, might not be aware of that tool. So go to the community and find that. That might help with some of those who want to really focus on that, that CI perspective. So anything else on that question from anyone? So my next question has to do, if you have an employee that um, wants to challenge the status quo, but it sort of affects other areas outside of your direct area, um, which is often the case because frankly, we don't operate in silos really. We're, in, we're interdependent with each other throughout finance and whatnot. But what would you, how might you coach or what would you say to an employee on um, how to be able to challenge the status quo when it's sort of dealing outside of the immediate team? And I'll let any, any one of you kind of chime in on that one first. Brian's been going first. Sure, that's so. fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't view it any differently than an internal team. Um, okay. I really don't. Uh, it, it starts with uh, the way you approach the situation, how you approach um, the, the other uh, stakeholders involved. Um, it, it's, it's, it's coming with a collaborative, open-minded approach. It's understanding their perspective, understanding their requirements, understanding their goals, what's important to them, 
because when when you when you need to challenge something, or if you want to encourage you know, to, to have a critical approach to something, you want to understand more than just your own position. You understand you want to understand everyone else's position in that because that can shape how you approach the situation. Um, there was a, a book I read. I forget the author now. It's called Getting to Yes. It, it really mm -hmm. focused on you know, the, the goals and objectives of reaching consensus. And it, it's, it really uh, emphasizes understanding others and what their objectives or goals are and making sure that you, you approach a situation understanding them as much as you understand yourself and your own uh, objectives. Isaiah or Jen on, on that one? Someone, an employee yeah. that, yeah. How might they challenge the status quo with another area? Uh, just to add to it, kind of what we would do initially internally, I may encourage some additional discovery of expanding the scope and, yep. and um, building the case where we can really get our arms around how we understand it. If we need to build allies within our, our own department first to, to help fill in some gaps we may have and then kind of figure out how it's going to impact the other area and if we can put any context around that. And, um, so in just kind of expanding it a little bit more and maybe spending some more initial discovery time, I would encourage. That is so fabulous, Isaiah. I know that in uh, other process improvement projects in my, in my career that I've had folks come to me and say, we need X department to fix the way they do Y and Z. And um, it's easy to see what other people should do, but. I appreciate your focus on the discovery of, do we fully understand this? Do we understand the impacts? Um, and then we go in a little bit more equipped, right? For that dialogue. And it's more from a place of understanding. What I really appreciate about some themes I'm hearing here from all of you is that there is a, there's a huge relational component to all of this. I've heard you mention trust and investment and time with people. And it's about understanding. Challenging doesn't mean confrontive but it means we have information to allow us to evaluate and discuss you know, what some opportunities might exist. Um, and I really appreciate that theme that I'm hearing from all of you. Um, Jen, anything you wanna add about going to another department? Yeah, I mean, I was reflecting on if I, you know, Brian said, I think, treat it the same as internal was, I think something he, philosophy. And then Isaiah was talking about discovery and I, I agree with, both of those things. I think for me, I think when you're, when you're in your own team in your own department, I like to have a high level of toughness between the group. Like we should, we should be really candid with each other and, you know, let's and relentless with each other and that, you know, have a thick skin, complain to each other, vent, whatever. Right. And that's with your, you know, when, when you start to get beyond that because of the, the, buy, the, the risk you mentioned, Angela, of it's so easy to point and say, if they could just do this, my life would be better. <laughs> and so it's like, mm, but do we really understand their universe that we're not at the center of the world and that they have their whole process and we might just be one little input, you know? So this is where I, I first want to see like, where, where's this coming from? Right. Um, uh, where's this, you know, is this how, if I, if I think it's going to be low impact and high complexity, um, so that's that's some, another tool, right? I think about the the graph between complexity and impact, and sometimes you know it's just not worth it. And so I try to have that internal conversation and just say, 
now may not be the right time. You know, mm -hmm. I try to stay really plugged in to what my peer leaders are doing because if I understand what their priorities and focus and they're working on a big project or a big deadline, then I'm going to know, okay, now is not the time. Like I'm just going to, you know, kind of block it maybe in intentionally in terms of, of timing. Um, so staying connected with my own network and what's going on, you know, is, is key to timing because we're, we're ultimately going to be asking for something, right? Um, and then, you know, if it, if it does make sense, you know, maybe it's, a, it's an obvious win and, and, you know, then I think it's about how to approach with a certain, you know, self-awareness um, and openness and knowing that, you know, hey, it may not shake out and that's okay, but, you know, here's what we see you know, and, um, but just respect that, you know, inherent respect that, you know, they've got a lot of other things going on, right? So let's, let's carry it forward. Let's have the conversation, but let's just be aware that, you know, there's, there's a lot going on outside of what we do, right? Um, and what can we do as some contingency strategies until we can maybe get this fixed, mm -hmm. right? Or get this addressed. So I'm, I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit more careful, um, just because, you know. The dynamics I, are different. I mean, they really yeah. are, right, yeah. right. So speaking of dynamics being different uh, in this COVID remote world that we've been living in and for, oh my goodness, six plus months uh, now, um, question for you, and I think I'll start with Isaiah. And what, what can managers, how might they empower their employees in a remote environment uh, to challenge the status quo? I, do you see it different or are there specific things that managers can do um, to encourage that behavior? Uh, what have you been able to, to do or what have you observed? Sure. Um, a couple of things that have been kind of touched on throughout, but um communication, attempting to communicate uh, as often as possible, determining what modes of communication work best within your own team. It might be different than what's, you know, your other peers somewhere else, but what's going to jive with the team. Um, and it, uh, one thing too, just kind of to step back is ensuring flexible schedules as well. You know, we live in a, this is we're from our homes, we have kids, we don't have kids, we have other needs and stuff so remaining flexible as much as possible keeping the human element of it all in there um, setting as clear as possible the goals and expectations and sometimes it's for the week sometimes it's for the month um, just kind of depending attempting to keep those fresh and going um, and continue to meet one-on-ones the, the team meetings something i um, uh, have kind of latched on to uh, about a month ago have been just open office hours and people mm -hmm. and ask a few questions, hop out, or they'll hang on to listen to the other members. And that has been really positive and actually um, very helpful for me to help kind of keep a pulse on things. And so, um, uh, and also ensuring that you're acknowledging wins along the way, kind of keeping yeah. that morale up uh, just because it's a, it is more challenging when we're not in the office and can just walk over and have that quick two minute talk. You know, we have to mm -hmm. two minutes now. <laughs> it's like if I have to schedule challenging the status quo versus hopping into your office with an idea, you know, chances yep. are I might not schedule it. <laughs> so it's keeping those opportunities open that it can kind of naturally still happen in, in dialogue. And it sounds like uh, open office hours is something that has been a good tool for you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see, Jen? 
Yeah, for, so it's been it's been tough for me um, coming into the organization when I did and and being fully remote and um, so I've been I've been feeling it, you know, not having the in person connection. I do think, you know, challenging the status quo and having those that degree of conversation um, is is much different when you're all in the room together. Um, so, you know, I've I've. I, I've tried to encourage my team and also reminded myself that sometimes there is an extra conversation that just needs to happen, you know, um, and, and that's okay. And sometimes we have to go back and, you know, because, because something happened maybe with the zoom dynamic or over email where we maybe didn't land where we thought we would land. And so we've got to be willing to go back. And, and so, um, and sometimes that just takes, a, it takes a little bit longer, but we've got to be patient because, we don't want to sacrifice the outcome that we're going for. So we've got to, you know, we've got to use as many tools as we can. Um, I wish I could celebrate with my team a little bit more um, than, than we've been able to do. Um, Cause you know, you just get so many emails. And so one more email celebrating, right. Is, is, um, <laughs> is not, it loses its effect. Then, you know, a big <laughs> smile on your face, like that was awesome. Right. And so, <laughs> You know, you, you try to do it, um, but but I'm not. I mean, it's tough. It's tough, and so I'm just sort of trying to figure out how to keep it fresh with the group and keep the cameras on, you know, and uh, try to have some fun stuff and fun dynamics and sense of humor, right? As we do all this stuff, and also just kind of hoping that we'll be able to get back to more in-person stuff at some point, you know. So. I'm not sure I'll know how to act around people in person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to get my I've manners met, again. <laughs> I've only met about probably 10 people in procurement yeah. in person. So. Yeah, I have forgotten I haven't actually met you, Jen. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. I know. I could we're on so many calls together. I know. I know. Well, so um, we do have a couple questions, uh, kind of a two-part question from a participant, and then we'll have time for that, and then a final question to all of you. Our time has gone quickly, uh, really enjoying the dialogue. But uh, here's the question from uh, the two-part question from our participant. How does a constantly evolving blueprint of vision and implementation plan look from senior leadership point of view? And how do we capture their expectation in a practical manner? I kind of pitch that out to this group. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the vision shouldn't be evolving um, and I haven't perceived <laughs> it to be evolving. Um, well, sorry, the FST vision to me is pretty stable. Okay. I'm not going to say an organization's vision doesn't evolve. It does and it should. Okay. Um, as it relates to FST, I think the vision has been is structured at a high enough, my understanding of the vision is structured at a high enough level um, where there's a lot of wiggle room. Now, the blueprint part, um, which I interpret as, okay, how are we going to get there? Yeah, that's constantly changing because we are figuring out new stuff, new things, you know, we're going, okay, we got to pivot, you know, this isn't, you know, if we really want to take advantage of this, we've got to do this. And, and so you, you have a lot of, I, I've, at least in my area, there's a lot of reworking, pivoting, going back. And, you know, I, to me, that's all very normal. That's what we should be doing. Um, it's a new technology. It's a transformation. It's not a translation. It's a transformation. So there's a, a million, every new question, every answer to a question introduces more questions, right? So it's, it can be exhausting sometimes, but it's, it's part of what we signed up to do. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the 
the practical side of that or how that translates practically is we have to somehow find a way to balance um, what I consider somewhat of a pendulum swing or a polarity between right. structure and flexibility, right? So, you know, what shouldn't change as, as we're dealing with um, these decisions is, is where we're headed. Like this is, this is where we're going. Um, but we might have to peel off to the left here and make another right. And, you know, so it, that part, we, we just, you know, we've got to, we've got to have strong, clear, specific conversations. Can't mm -hmm. be too, you know, at some point, somebody's got to take the conversation that's conceptual and bring it down into the details and embrace the weeds and say, okay, this is what this means. Mm -hmm. This, then this, then this, then this, right? Everyone kind of like talks at the, sorry, you get a manager or leadership level. They're like, oh, don't get too down in the details. Details are important. They're, they are critical, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in order you've got to get from the vision and the strategy and the con conceptual statements down into the weeds and how does this work and how, cause right. then, then you start to build that certainty and, and that solidifies the path. So that's, that's our way to um, it's, it's getting real in our conversations. Yeah. Well, how does that look like? What, where, what's going to happen? And those are conversations we should be fully full, full, full court press with Deloitte. You know, we should be saying, okay, well, how does that work? Show me, what does it look like? You know, and, you know, constantly trying to get a better and more clear understanding of how something's actually gonna play out. Thank you, Jen. Um, I can't believe that we're at time already. I am going to ask about a 10 second response from each of you to close out. And what I'd like you to think about is what is one tangible thing that a manager who's leaving this webinar that they can do to start empowering their employee to challenge the status quo, what, a, a specific action they might take as soon as they get off of this webinar. Um, I'll start with Isaiah, go to Brian and then Jen, and then we'll wrap up our time together. Thanks, Angela. Um, ask more questions. When an employee comes to you with a question or an issue, uh, take the opportunity to, to kind of keep drawing it out and just continue to ask questions. How can it be fixed? What's wrong? All those sort of things and just, just keep hammering it home. Fabulous. Brian, one thing. Uh, <laughs> challenge yourself first. Are you, are you doing everything that you're asking them to do? Um, and you should be doing more than what you're asking them to do and you should be ahead of them. So are you challenging yourself and your processes and your ideas, your environment that you've created uh, to set the right tone? Fabulous. And Jen? Um, if you want to do something tan like with a tangible outcome around changing the status quo, ask everyone to identify one process or function that has some pain and doesn't seem to work that well. And, and then identify what the root, what they think the root cause of that problem is and, um, and have them work it a little bit, workshop it, and then share out all those ideas with the team and have the team rank from all those ideas, what might be the most impactful thing that you could change, even if it's very small or incremental, but would make the operation better. And then do it. <laughs> Actually do something, right? Do it, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, special thanks to all of you, for our panelists for joining us today for this great dialogue uh, around a, a complex topic. And yet there is a place that you can get started and take some first steps. Um, and I just encourage our participants to watch our other uh, panel series in this uh, webinar series. And uh, with that, we thank you for joining us and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for having us. See you.